0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into Fireside Chats. I am your host, Michael Kist, from BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. Here at BGN Radio, we are dedicated to bringing you the highest quality, most in-depth analysis of not only your world champion Philadelphia Eagles, but football in general, and as such to bring you different perspectives from different backgrounds, we're bringing to you, gentle listener, a series that will tap into the great football minds in the industry. And they'll range from discussions about the Eagles to the rest of the NFL, to philosophical football discussions about film, X's and O's and analytics and more. And I'm excited for today's guest because he comes from an analytical slant. And if you follow and love the Eagles, you know that the Eagles have invested heavily in analytics, and believe in their use when it comes to their decision-making in all aspects of their team. So to understand your team better, discussions like this one, the one I'm about to have with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, are key to acquiring a deeper knowledge about the Eagles, and hopefully they bring to your attention some interesting trends and tidbits and facts for you to look out for on Sundays. So here we go, Fireside Chats, Episode 1. And joining us today is the head of Football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz, footballoutsiders.com, and follow him on Twitter at F-O underscore A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. You won't regret it. Aaron, how you doing, brother? I am good. I am good. Actually, I wanted to start with a bit of a personal question, Aaron, if you don't mind. How did you get into doing analytics for a living at the level that you're doing it now? Because, you know, there was that question on Twitter where people listed like all their jobs before they got to what they were doing in journalism. Do you have something like that or did you go straight into it from like college or
1: something? Oh, I've done I did a bunch of stuff before this. Uh, I was a radio disc jockey. Uh That's what I was right out of college. And then after I got out of the radio business, I had a number of different jobs. I ended up in the internet industry. I worked for the old search engine Lycos, writing oh. a column called the Lycos 50. It was sort of a pop culture roundup of what people were searching for online. And I started this as a side job. Football Outsiders is, I believe, the longest running football analytics site out there, unless you count footballguys.com, which is, you know, of course is entirely fantasy football focused. But right. as far as Uh, sites that are focused on actual football. I think we're the longest-running one. We launched in the summer of 2003, so I've been doing this now for 15 years. Uh, I was a Patriots fan who had questions about my team and was always a big Bill James fan and wondered why nobody was doing analytics for football the way they did for baseball, and Mm -hmm. so I decided I was going to uh, count things out of box scores to answer the questions I had, and the first question was about why people talked about establishing the run and the first article we ever did showed that the idea of establishing the run is nonsense and golly we're still fighting the same fight 15 (laughs) years later (laughs) but no it's interesting i don't have a statistics background i've often joked that the dirty little secret of football outsiders that's not a secret is that I'm not really a trained statistician as much as I am a writer Mm. who had questions and decided to use statistics to answer questions that I had. But that's the same thing that Bill James was when he got started. Mm. So it's just a, you know, you hear about similarities between me and Mel James, and I'm honored to be compared to him. But one of the comparisons is sort of the idea of writer first, statistician second.
0: I love that. I love that. And like you said, we're still kind of fighting the same fight that that you were fighting a long time ago today. And analytics has kind of been dragged along uh, very, very slowly. And you're starting to see some of the effects of it. Uh, you're seeing it with the Eagles as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I'll start with the with the serious football talk by saying that I've only just recently myself within the last year or so really gotten into analytics. And it was somewhat born out of necessity. I'm not always in a spot where I can sit down and digest hours of film. I I was, I was trained as a film guy. Like that's what I like to do. Uh, but the, the analytics are helpful in providing a full picture when you're doing a player's evaluation. Uh, it's great content during the season, helping you understand your team more. Uh, but also this is the direction more forward thinking teams are going and covering the Eagles, who we'll talk about soon. It's also a necessity to understand analytics because they really believe in analytics and, part of my study this off season has been resources like yours not only the footballsoutsiders.com website but the incredible football outsiders 2018 uh, almanac which is a must-have for any football fan wanting to know more about their team and current league trends, and really it's just packed with all kinds of great info. Aaron, can you go into what the Football Outsiders Almanac is trying to achieve and why it's a useful tool for fans to help them understand the game and their team better?
1: Sure. Obviously, our guide with it, I think everybody can see, is something similar to the old Bill James Baseball Abstracts, something similar to the Baseball Prospectus books, In fact, the first four years that we did it, we actually had a contract with Prospectus and the book was called Pro Football Perspective. So it's an almanac of where things are looking backwards at last year and talking about how good teams were, why they were, you know, may have been better or worse than you think, and then looking forward to what things are going to uh, are likely to be like next year. Obviously, in the analytics world, we deal in probabilities. You know, when you project that teams are going to finish a certain way in the standings, you're, you're projecting probabilities. But we have a chapter on every team. It's got an essay, and then uh, it's got a bunch of stats from last year and comments about each of the units on the team then we have a whole section on fantasy football with projections for this year, stats from the last three years for all the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And I should also point out we also have a large college football section Mm -hmm. where we give projections for the all 130 FBS teams and write-ups on the top 50 teams that we use. We have some college football stats with two guys who do advanced stats for college football and break things down and do projections there as well. The things that's kind of remarkable, you wouldn't think this because the players turn over every four years, but college football is more predictable than the NFL is hmm. because the same teams tend to recruit well year after year. So even though the players turn over, the same programs tend to dominate, whereas in the NFL, you see teams move up and down the standings much more.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so let's dig into some of the Eagles stuff here. Uh, first off, props to uh, one of the guys on your staff, Mike Tannier, for a fantastic introduction, uh, really the whole chapter, for the whole Eagles chapter, which is worth the price of admission alone loan uh, for you Eagles fans. But digging into the nuts and bolts, the Eagles got incredibly aggressive, likely with the help of Edge Analytics, who we'll discuss next. But outside of their fourth down bonanza, uh, what would you say impressed you the most about them during your research as far as how they approached decision making?
1: Well, we loved the going for it on fourth down. And we loved the fact that on third down, they took the fact that they could be aggressive on fourth down and could use that mm. to be more aggressive on third down. They knew that even if they fell a yard or two short on third down, that they might go for it on fourth down. And that allowed them to be a little bit more aggressive on Third down. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that they're not afraid to pass a lot and go away from the run, right? They're one of the strongest teams in the league as far as the amount that they pass on first downs. They were 29th in the league in percentage of runs. Uh, when they're behind in the second half, they're 30th. They know when to pass, mm-hmm. but at the same time... Uh, they know when to run in short yardage situations. They're one of the, the higher teams in, in terms of running. So that is really good. And then the other thing is, you know, we had been critical of, of Carson Wentz's first year because he was throwing short so much, right? One of the problems with Wentz in the first year was the, quote-unquote, air yards problem that he threw short so often. That was not a problem in his second year. And part of the reason is they went out and got receivers that could run deep roots, right? It's <laughs> yeah. not Wentz's. It's not all... It, the the, wentz, the the criticism that we had of wentz was less a criticism of wentz and more a criticism of the Philadelphia offense and the sort of the bandwagon jumping with wentz when he wasn't as good as a rookie as a lot of Philadelphia fans want to believe. But it wasn't necessarily his fault. He didn't have the receivers to throw the ball down the field. They went out and got the receivers to throw the ball downfield. They fixed whatever was up with Nelson Alcalor's uh, mental state, and, and he was able to show his talent. And all of a sudden, Wentz is throwing the ball much more downfield in his second year, and that offense becomes really aggressive. Both on fourth downs and when it comes to moving the ball down the field.
0: I agree with you, Aaron. That, you know It wasn't as good, especially when he, when he first came out against the Browns and the Steelers and uh, everything was great. And we were going to the Super Bowl right away, according, according to a lot of people. Right. Uh, but y- yeah, there, there was some of that as well. You had to take in uh... and
1: the flip of that is that we in the analytics community and some of the folks on my staff in particular were a little too strongly negative. Oh. About a player like Wentz forgetting that players develop yeah. between their first and second year yeah. and that, the, you know, the talent was there. There's a reason he went so high and that you had to give him room to develop. And the same goes for, you know, other quarterbacks. Obviously, uh, Jared Goff <laughs> took a massive step forward after his first year. so I think in the future, what we have to remember is not to judge players after their rookie years as if improvement does not take place.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting thought too, because mistakes were made on both sides. All right. So we're the, there's the olive branch there, Eagles fans, Aaron just put it out there. One note that I did make uh, about the Eagles chapter, there's a potential uh, for a statistical regression, uh, specifically On third and long, which we talked about, where they were just absolute gangbusters. I've also seen some analysts peg Carson Wentz for a regression in regard to his gigantic touchdown rate. What are your thoughts on the Eagles offense possibly regressing to the mean in 2018? And what areas do you think those might happen if you do?
1: Yeah, I think there's two really strong trends here. One is third downs, right? Third down sample sizes are smaller than first and second down sample sizes, but they're more important in terms of wins and losses. Third and long is the smallest sample size and really important. And they were the third best offense that we've ever tracked on third and long going back to 1986. Wow. That's pretty good. But they were only 13th in our ratings on first down and 20th on second down. It's one of the biggest gaps of the last few years, between a team's overall offensive rating and their third down rating. And when you have that, you tend to see regression the next year, even more regression than you would expect. You, you know, good offenses tend to regress a little bit, right. but you see more regression than just the normal amount. And then the other is red zone. They were phenomenal in the red zone, right? And um, sorry, it was uh, it's not third and long that they were third, of, uh, third since 1986. It's red zone offense that they uh, were, yes. red zone passing, yeah. that they were the third best offense since 1986. They were phenomenal on third and long, too. I mean, they they were just really good in these really important situations. But the problem is red zone performance doesn't carry over from year to year in the same level that performance across the whole field does. And so I think when we look at our projections for the upcoming year, we have. Philadelphia's de- as offense as probably declining a little bit. We have their defense still really good, and therefore we have the whole team still near the top of our ratings. But their offense, there is a good chance for a decline here.
0: Yeah, and I understand that. And in the red zone, too, I would argue – uh, that the goal line running uh, is going to regress to the mean in, in a positive way. So you might end up with a wash, maybe maybe a slight decline. It's really hard to
1: keep. Yeah, that they were 26th in red zone rushing DVOA. Oh, yeah. so, sorry, 28th in yeah. red zone rushing DVOA. So of all of the teams with the best, the 12 teams with the best passing DVOA, a DVOA is our main rating system. Mm-hmm. We take every single play. We give it a success rating based on the down and distance. And we compare it to other plays that are similar in situation and adjust for opponent. Of all the other teams with the best red zone passing game since 1986, they had by far the worst red zone running game. So yes, that is likely to regress in the other direction.
0: Yeah, and you can see that with with Jay Ajayi during the regular season, didn't have any carries inside the five-yard line for his career. He's five for 11 in those situations. I believe Blunt was something like two for 13 last year. So you may see them move the needle on that. Okay. The other note that I had, the aggressiveness index that you guys have, uh, we all know how uh, here in Philly we call him Big Balls Doug. How does Big Balls Doug not end up number one on your aggressiveness data? He was number three, correct?
1: He was number three for 2017. He's number two if you combine 2016 and 2017, which Mm -hmm. I've done for a piece I'm writing for ESPN magazine. Uh, He's behind Mike McCarthy from Green Bay there, which is Mm -hmm. really interesting because McCarthy is thought of as very conservative. But on fourth down, McCarthy's actually very aggressive. Where he's conservative is with the lead in the fourth quarter, he becomes ridiculously conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top two guys in aggressiveness index were Adam Gaze mm-hmm. solely because in week 17, he said, damn the torpedoes, and he let David Fales throw the ball whenever he felt like it. Yeah. So he threw the ball on a bunch of fourth and mediums. And Del Rio in Oakland, who is historically aggressive, but... Oh in part ends up past Peterson because of a big fake punt on like a fourth and long that they ran. But as far as the number of opportunities on fourth down, not a ratio of how often uh, given the number of opportunities, but a total number of opportunities, right? Yeah. When we take out obvious catch-up situations, the things we use in aggressiveness index, Philadelphia had the most fourth down go-for-it decisions, Third highest of any team since 86, trailing only the 96 Patriots, coached by Bill Parcells, and one that you will not expect, the 2007 Jacksonville Jaguars, coached by Jack Del Rio. ton, a ton of running plays on fourth and one, where they had so much belief in Maurice Jones, Drew, and Fred Taylor that they would go for it on fourth and one a ton, and we didn't realize how historic it was at that point because we hadn't done A lot of these historic years, you know, we've broken down stats now going back to 1986. Back in 07, I think we'd only gone back as far as like 98 or something. So we didn't realize quite how historic Del Rio's uh, coaching was. But Peterson's coaching last year is up there.
0: That's fascinating. Okay, so I'll I'll give you I'll give you before we move on to what um, Edge Analytics is doing with with you guys. I have have one question and and I want the listeners to hear this. Who is the highest ranked DVOA defense of all time?
1: Ah, uh, yes. This is my chance to go on about the greatest, <laughs> most underrated defense. And my guess is that even when we finally break down 85 and 84, they're still going to be number one. The 1991 Philadelphia Eagles are the yes. best defense in NFL history. Tell em. They were phenomenal. I don't remember the number as far as, like, it's something like 3.1 yards of play. It's absurd. Yeah, They're like, in, in DVOA, they're like eight or nine percentage points. Better than the 1986 Bears, who are currently the number two best defense. Like I said, we haven't done 1985 yet, but my feeling is that the 86 Bears defense will come out better than the 85 Bears defense. The 85 Bears, what made them so phenomenal was that they were a better all around team than 86. Hmm. Uh, But 91, the Eagles, that team was just cursed because of the Cunningham injury in the first week of the season, and then they just ran the worst quarterbacks you could possibly imagine out there. And they go ten and six and they miss the playoffs anyway, but that defense was just absurdly, ridiculously good.
0: I just I just wanted to I wanted to hear it out of your mouth. I've been I've been citing that forever and everyone everyone just says it's nonsense, but I totally believe in it, Aaron.
1: <laughs> some of it is some of it is is opponent adjustment too because they shared not just a league, they shared a division with the best overall team we've ever measured. <laughs> the number 1 team overall in DVOA going back to 1986 is is the 1991 Washington Redskins. Yeah. They're in the top 20 for offense, defense, and special teams over the last 32 years. And so, and, and and the Giants were a really good offense that year too. And the Eagles had to play those teams four times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually had an argument with a buddy of mine who's a Redskins fan about that. And I was talking about the defense and we, we ended up shifting the topic to offense and he brought that up. And I'm saying, well, if they're that good, and then
1: the Eagles did this. <laughs> right. The problem is the Redskins <laughs> were the best all around team right. that we've ever measured. Yeah. The Eagles were just so one dimensional I mean, one-dimensional oh, yeah. in defense. The defense was not one-dimensional. The defense did everything yeah. a defense could possibly do, but their offense was so bad.
0: All right. So I'm, I'm glad we got that out there. I love it. So let's, we're going to be diving here on this show more in depth with how Edge Analytics worked with the Eagles when we talked with the founder and uh, chief, produ- uh, chief product officer of Edge Analytics. So look out for that episode in the future. But Aaron, while I have you, since Edge Analytics acquired Football Outsiders. What has that meant for you guys? And can you give some info on how all of that marries together?
1: Well, there's two things here. There's what it means for us business-wise, and Mm -hmm. there's what it means for us analytically. Mm -hmm. Business-wise, it's an opportunity to be a part of a larger company with more business knowledge, where we can do marketing, where we can finally invest some money into improving our website that's very old at this point, Mm. where we can finally invest some money into moving a lot of our data that I have in a bunch of Excel spreadsheets into real databases Mm. so we can do much better analysis on it, freeing me up that I'm not running the business anymore to do more analytics and more writing. From an analytical perspective, the one thing that Football Outsiders has never really concentrated on is expected scoring analysis, Mm. analysis of in-game decision-making. And nobody is better than edge analytics when it comes to in-game decision-making analysis with the game-winning chance and the model that they have, right? That's their forte is expected scoring analysis and win probability analysis. And so it's the perfect marriage where we have... You know, all the historical stats and the player ratings and the team ratings and the breaking down offensive lines and all the various things we do, but have never really, never really gotten into that kind of analysis that Edge Sports is so good at and that their model has been around for a while and that, that they've put together. So from that perspective, it's just a perfect complementary marriage.
0: Yeah. And I was telling my boss about edge analytics and listening to some podcasts where they, where they had some of their guys on there and they were explaining certain, you know, eagle situations that were controversial or, you know, particularly ballsy. And telling him the information that Edge Analytics had that said that, like, those were the right decisions. And it kind of validated Doug in a way for being aggressive, even when they didn't necessarily work out. Stuff that we as a fan base had argued about for months, like the the fourth and eight against the New York Giants in week three that Doug caught hell for. Edge Analytics backed him up and said, no, the numbers work out like he should have done that. Uh, so I can't wait to dig in, in more with that. And that is really excited that you guys can bring that into the fold. Uh Aaron, man, thank you so much for for joining us today. I got one last question for you. And we'll get you out of here. Let's say that your clone shows up on your doorstep right now. What are you doing? You putting it to work uh, in the data mines? There, are you killing him immediately? What's your move when your
1: clone shows up (laughs) out of nowhere? (laughs) Wow! If there was two of me, I could get a lot more done. Yeah, Uh, I'm probably sending enough? Yeah, I'm a good guy. I'd I'd be friendly with myself. I'm good to my brother. I'd probably be pretty good to my clone. I think he. He'd have to probably stay clean-shaven so people could tell us apart.
0: Mm. Oh, so you're owning, You're putting it right out there. Like, this is my clone. Uh, he works with me. He's the clean-shaven one. I'm always going to have the beard, and you're never worried that like you're you're going to treat your clone well enough to where he's not just going to be working at data mines all day, and he's going to like start to resent you. Is that kind of the situation?
1: No, no, my god, I could write twice as much stuff. I could do <laughs> twice as much research. There's all kinds of possibilities.
0: See, yeah, I, that says a lot about you, and I think it says a lot about me because I've often talked about if my clone showing up that I don't I don't trust him, and I got to get rid of him before anybody finds out. We'll move on from that before I sound like a terrible, terrible person. Uh, again, I can't recommend the football outsider website and almanac enough i reference it daily they're fantastic tools aaron before you go remind our gentle listeners where they can find all of your work
1: right well the almanac comes in in two uh, places 500 pages tons of previews you can either buy it as a pdf off of our website FootballOutsiders.com, for twenty dollars or you can buy the physical book copy from amazon for 28.95 and the advantage of the physical book is that it's really good for killing mosquitoes Because that sucker is thick. Uh, All of our other work at Football Outsiders, we have our fantasy football projections we call the Kubiak system. I called it that before Kubiak became a head coach, so I'm sort of stuck with it. It's uh, customizable to your league, updated throughout the preseason, and an Excel workbook that costs $20. We have a premium subscriptions with things like a DVOA historical database, picks against the spread, charting data from our partners at Sports Info Solutions, weekly fantasy projections. You'll find all of that in the store at footballoutsiders.com. But the big thing, the, the biggest thing we do is the Almanac. And I hope folks will get it and read it and uh, enjoy the Eagles chapter because you don't get a lot of books that are your team's colors because you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> And the it. last few years, we have colored the book. The, the team that wins the Super Bowl gets their colors on the book. And so this year's book is Philadelphia Colors.
0: He is Aaron Shots of Football Outsiders. Follow him on Twitter at FO underscore A Schatz. Man, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: And we are back. I hope you enjoyed listening to that discussion with Aaron as much as I enjoyed having it. Go pick yourself up a copy of the 2018 Football Outsiders Almanac. And while I have you... It would be a big help to the show if you supported us by going to iTunes or on whichever service you're listening to us on and leaving us five stars. Drop a line in the review. Let us know what you like or what you don't like. It really helps us get noticed and allows us to continue to bring you this content. That will do it for Fireside Chats Episode 1 here on BGN Radio. So with that, I'll bid you good day. And remember, we all we got, we all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.